This is Jan Cox, talk number 2,547, recorded July 5th, 2000. I want to try and make myself satisfied that I made something clear last week. I mentioned a kind of little task of taking some blunder you had made, something about which when you think you feel like a complete idiot, something was very costly. I was mentioning of how to let it linger in the wings of your mental stage without, or as I used to call it, to neuralize it, to be aware of it without thinking about it. I just want to be sure that the trick was, the usefulness of it, is you do not let it get on stage. You do not let it come out and become verbal. It's just there and see what happens. And from last night, for those of you that heard it, when I started talking about the restlessness of the mind and pointing out, as I've been calling primary and secondary affairs, and by the way, I'm going to change my terms. I've decided the time is right. I'm going to call them essential affairs or the essential world and the human world. Well, the primary world, as I've been calling it, it's the same thing, but we have essential affairs, essential needs, essential hungers, that all living creatures, at least macroscopic, multicellular macroscopic creatures, we have in common the need for nourishment, uh, reaction to the environment, reproduction. So it's still the same thing, but for various reasons I've decided to change it to essential affairs or the essential world and the human world. And the human world being what I've been calling the primary world, because it is uniquely human. It is all, everything, art, literature, music, politics, religion, the whole smear of civilization is all an outgrowth of the human mind, and the human mind is the only mind. So it is human affairs and essential affairs. But last night when I was talking about pointing out to you or challenging you to consider the fact that the mind is not only restless and will not stay on a primary or on an essential matter, that you can be eating in your mind somewhere else, you can be engaged in sex and your mind be somewhere else. Not only that, but I point out that the mind would not settle down, that the mind would not stay automatically focused on matters of a human nature, that is, on matters that were its own children that you will not sit down and read a book and your attention be held or your attention stay focused on the book. You do not sit and listen to music at home alone. Staring at your $5,000 CD player and your $40,000 speakers, you stare at them and turn the music, close the door, time to relax. You don't listen to music. Your ears hear the music, but your mind goes to, to God knows what. Well... If I didn't make it clear, I was offering as a, proposing to you as a very potentially useful learning experience is to willfully, I've done it in the past, I just didn't describe it this way, I've offered this to you, some of you, but is to willfully just pick out, such as tonight when I go home, I'm going to have a snack. I am going to, for as long, I'm going to sit down. I will not read the paper. I will do nothing but eat. 
I'll not turn on television, I won't turn on the radio, I will not talk to anyone, and I will try, it will be my intent, to keep my mental attention focused entirely on my eating. Not on eating, not thinking about what you ate before, but on my eating now. And for those of you who like a real, perhaps more exciting challenge, is do it next time you're engaged in sex. Or try and go to sleep and not think of anything other than sleep. Not about what time you have to get up, how you had to get up too early today, how you've been tired all day, or anything else. I suggest you try it. I'm not going to tell you what. But it can be a real eye-opener. I don't mean just instantly, but you keep trying it for a few times. That you sincerely try and keep your attention focused on some essential matter in which you're involved. What I wanted to try to do, based on last night of the restless mind, is tie it together with a few other things that I have found to be of great practical value in the past. I still do. I've never found anything to be of practical value to help me to see what was going on in the past that is no longer helpful. Just to make that clear. Without any doubt, uh, we could say that the problem that so-called mystics have with themselves is with their mind. And the problem they have with their mind is that it's eternally restless and they do not seem to be able to control it. And they have called it several and numerous other things, other using other descriptions, but that's all it is. And throughout the history of men attempting to describe these anomalistic states they've had that they call being awake and being enlightened and being liberated, if they try and describe it at all, a very common description is that their mind was at peace. I have even relayed a story that I'm sorry I came along too late to make up. Well, I read it. And then when I read it, it was too late for me to make it up about the guy that asked the mystic, one of the older, I consider classic stories, that he told he found this man who apparently knew what was going on and said, I have been studying here and there and I've tried this and that, and my mind is still not at peace. And the guy says, well, show me your mind, lay it out here on the table, or show it to me, and I will take care of it. I'll put it at peace. And he says, ah, but that's the problem. After 40 years, I can't really locate it. And he says, done. Or, there, I put it at peace. So, a usable description. I don't know a better one. Yeah, I do. I'm about to give it to you in the form of a question. I was going to say there's not a better one than to say that the object of all of this is to have a peaceful mind. But I can beat that by a question. Is the aim of it actually to have a peaceful mind or is it to learn to live with an unchangeably restless mind? I don't guess it's important to anyone, but my guess would be that 99% of the world's mystics who've ever lived would opt for the former. They wouldn't even listen to the second part. Let me suggest that here is a new model, or slightly new. I'm getting around to what I said I found of use in the past. The mind is restless. And 
For those of you who weren't here last night, if you care to, you can listen to the tape. I went into some detail. I don't know why it's necessary. Pointing out how it is restless. That it's restless even in essential matters, which at first should make a man, when he first realizes it, should give him some pause for consideration. Like, why are things, or aren't things arranged in some less than equitable fashion, wherein when I'm involved with essential matters such as eating, that my mind will wander off somewhere else. That could be dangerous. I might accidentally eat poisoned food. But the mind will not by itself necessarily stay focused on an essential matter in which you might be engaged. Not only that, which should be, from one sense, just from one initial view, that should be scary enough, or at least curious enough. But then how about this? It gets into the area of non-essentials. Of it, of involvement in its own inventions, and it still won't even stay focused on those. Well, this slightly varied model, I was going to try to pull two or three things together. By the way, my intention is to not, through my extemporaneous comments, is to, through irrefutable, irrepressible, inescapable, cold hard logic, prove to you that which the human mind is not equipped to comprehend. Not. The slightly different model, but I continue to find of great favor, is a state that men, men call, including me, I've always accepted, the state of being asleep, being hypnotized, being deluded, being slightly dazed, being distracted is all mental. That's all you can call it. Your body does not do it to you. Nothing outside the, that part of the brain that we call the mind. And exactly how might it be described that this state of sleep, what, can you describe it another way? Yes, I can. That you, I would say from one view that the state of sleep comes from one, or has one cause. Of course, this is a lie, because nobody knows what the cause is. Well, yeah, I do. I don't know why I keep saying I don't. It's being alive. But in that, that seems to be of no practical value whatsoever. Then I say no one knows. But I can say, if you look at it, and observe what goes on in you, and then I'll, at least a few times, turn it outward, because it applies everywhere. It's the same inside and the same outside. And that is, I could say that the state of sleep is caused by the mind agreeing or disagreeing with how things are. That's all being asleep is. Uh, to drag in what appears to be the world outside of man, outside yourself, let me give you a variation of that. That is caused by the mind agreeing or disagreeing with how things are and either accepting or condemning other people's feelings about how things are. It's actually the same thing, but uh, sometimes it helps to think that you're looking out there because what happens out there to the mind seems to be demonstrably, at least verbally, of a different nature, of a different order, 
than what goes on simply in your head because out there you have the participation of other humans and they're moving about and what goes on in your head just moves about in your mind. But what, what else could you say? What better description could you give, not based upon any kind of mystical system of this kind or some other kind, but just based upon your own living with your own self attempting to do something, attempting to pursue this kind of activity the best you can make out of it. If you notice, I'm speaking on my behalf and assuming you are somewhere close. What do I call being asleep? Throughout my life, how would I describe it when I, when I catch it, when I am not in a state with which I find favor? What is my mind doing? It is either agreeing or disagreeing with how it takes things to be. You could say it's either liking or disliking. But when it hit me with those words, it doesn't mean that you couldn't use some other description. But agreeing or disagreeing with how things are to the mind. That's all being asleep is. That's all being deluded is. If you were to cease, if you could just automatically cease to either agree or disagree with how your mind thinks things are, then what would you be left with? You would see things as they are. If you think there's anything beyond that, no matter what you call it, then you're dreaming. I mean, to believe that there's supernatural, to wake up is simply to go ahead and see the natural. But the idea of some supernatural. And here's the thing. In agreeing or disagreeing with life, I assume you know what I mean when I say you're either accepting or you're complaining. By the way, I always, or generally my comments when it gets on this line are always limited to uh, pointing out the folly of criticizing life, that nothing's wrong. And uh, as I was trying last week, the ultimate folly of criticizing yourself, that you've got no basis for it. In fact, when you do it, it's an illusion. You're not doing anything. It doesn't really exist. But at any rate, <clears throat> the criticism of life or of yourself or of anything, is actually just one half of it. Because to mentally accept something rather than criticize it, you're just as asleep. It makes no difference. If somebody was just raising hell about religion, just criticizing and claiming that religion has been the biggest impediment in man's progress, and you listen to it, and then somebody else pointed out all the benefits. They admitted some of the follies in which religion is engaged in the past, but point out overall <clears throat> the great benefit that it has been, and you think, well, that's true. That's true. Well, it does no good to criticize religion or other people. They just do the best they can. I accept that. <clears throat> There's a very subtle captuousness about that, I assume you see. <coughs> That the accepting of something of the, in the human realm, to accept it is to be as much asleep as to reject it. And regardless, I used to use for a while that some of you seem to have gotten something out of it. When I point out the world's big enough for everything and everybody. 
And that the idea that some people do not belong here, and it's not really some people, because that's not what bothers people. If it does, if it bothers an individual about other people, truly, then it's down to an essential level. That is, that some other human is trying to steal your food, take your territory, take your mate. But that's not generally what goes on nowadays. The complaints that people have, the criticism people have with other people, is not about the people themselves. It's about those people's human affairs. That is, their ideas. That's where the criticism is. And so it's easy to think that if you accept life, that if you mentally... Now, we're not talking about essential matters. That's what I was about to get to, but I might as well point it out. The agreeing and disagreeing that is really the heart of all of this, always has been. Notice this. It's tricky, but it's obvious as hell. Well, it's slippery. The agreeing and disagreeing, the entanglement in agreeing and disagreeing is only in human affairs, not essential affairs. Uh, someone can suggest to you, let's have Malaysian food tonight. And you might go, God, I hate Malaysian food. You disagree. You reject Malaysian food. And I could start making up all kinds of things. Then let's say that mentally you might go, uh, you know, I had a cab driver in New York that was from Malaysia, and he ran me around in circles. Plus his cab smelled funny. I don't want Malaysian food. That's disagreeing with a human affair. Because notice this, no sane human disagrees with eating. But a human may disagree. No, I don't get Malaysian food because then he thinks, this guy may think, well, last time I went to a Malaysian restaurant, I was all spiffied up. And I started flirting with this girl, this waitress, and she laughed at me. Don't make me make up more things. Or you can uh, say that you don't like it. Uh, you can laugh at somebody who has a certain uh, sexual preference. Uh, I could be something simple as a guy saying, well, I love women who are who look such and such way. And you can say, well, I can't stand women like that. Or they don't appeal to me. Uh, they don't appeal to me women who dress like that. Women who are slave to fashion. You can say all that, but notice, you do not say, you do not disagree with sex. All of the agreeing, all the accepting, all the rejecting is done regarding human affairs. Not essential affairs. If you do it with essential affairs, you're nuts. You're self-destructive. You're so anomalistic as to be outside the range of me discussing it. But any ordinary person does not accept or reject essential matters. He doesn't agree or disagree with them. Nobody sits around and thinks, do I approve of eating? It never happens. Although you may have an instant agreement or disagreement with a certain kind of food, with a certain of eating within a certain kind of environment. Well, you can make up your own the rest of the way with any other essential matter. But what I started to say also was it's very easy, and in fact, I guess I've contributed to it if you listened only to me and didn't think for yourself, which would, I don't like to ponder that. It sounds as though that I only attack criticism is don't be a, you know, you're wasting your time attacking people's religion, attacking the way they dress, attacking 
They're tasting food. They're tasting music. They're tasting politics. You're wasting your time. But also, if you mentally agree with taste, with anything in the secondary, that is the human affairs area of, of life, you're as much asleep, you're being just as foolish as you are to reject them. Neither one will do. You can't agree or disagree. If you do, you're asleep. If you do, even if the mind is going to stay restless, then you're trapped with it being restless in an area that is meaningless. And to try to stop it, I'm trying to hint to you, could be doubly meaningless or impossible. Uh, to me, there's a great example I could use religion again, but politics not as so popular as a secondary, a human affair activity, a kind of hobby. I'm still talking about agreeing and disagreeing and then something else that neither one will do. And then we'll try to slip in something on you. Let me consider the contemporary Western view of the major dichotomy in political systems the political structure, and that is the conservative versus the liberal view. Now, remember, this is just a human affair. Men made this up. Men did not make up being dominant one over another. That's part of the essential nature of us and other, many other multicellular, macroscopic creatures. That, some, that one creature is going to try and dominate others. But specifically, I just want you to listen right quick because I'm just going, I can do it, I assume. Just don't resist it. Let me take, describe both views of uh, liberal or conservative. And you could, uh, and I can make either one of them sound plausible. I want you to just feel yourself that a reasonable man, an ordinary man, could agree with either one of these. Uh... I'm just bringing it up to date since this seems to be so popular now, but it's kind of a condensation of the Western view of the two. The, the conservative would be, the conservative view is that politically the individual is important and that the less interference the state has, the better. And that uh, and their complaint with the liberals is, in general, that liberals want a larger and larger government, and they want to take over the affairs of the individual man. Therefore, they should be resisted, and if you believe in freedom and individuality, you should be a conservative. Then a liberal says that the nature of man is such that he cannot be trusted. All you got to do is look around. People are greedy. People are thieves. And the whole purpose of the government is to, for man to collectively, I shouldn't say the government, the state, you know what that means, the full sense of it, that man cannot be trusted individually in many cases, as witnessed by the continuing rate of crime throughout the history of man, etc. The greed and the lust and the desire for power. And so men come together. When they became intelligent, men collect together under the name the state. And then the state oversees things that the individual could not be trusted necessarily. Some people could be trusted but in many cases, individuals cannot be trusted to do the right thing, to be fair, to be honest, to be equitable, and not to exert undue pressure 
over their fellow man. So it's up to the state to enact laws under the, for the benefit of everyone in which the state sees to it that whether you want to or not individually, that you will act in a decent manner and not mistreat your fellow man, your neighbor. All right, either one of those sound good. And the uh, liberal would say that you should support the liberal view because of the fact that conservatives, simply under the names of such things as laissez-faire, capitalism, or free market, they won't turn everybody loose, and all that's going to end up is the people who are already powerful and rich, the most greedy, they'll just they'll become richer. They'll take on more power, and they'll trample and forget the under, underdog. The poor, the forgotten, will fall back even further. That you just can't trust this. Just human nature run amok. Human nature at its worst run amok. All right, you can take either view, and assuming that you are sophisticated enough, know enough about history, if you're just intelligent enough, either one of those views you could go, yeah, by God, that's true. Look at the history of man. You could take the conservative view and say, look, every time people get in power, the state was a good idea to start with, that man got together collectively and decided on a few laws to live by, and it's got bigger and bigger and bigger. And by God, now, these people that call themselves liberals, all they want is to take all the power. They're not looking after us. They say it's for the benefit of the little man, the forgotten man, that the liberals throughout history in the Western world, at least as we call them liberals, have always claimed that they were for the underdog as opposed to the rich and the powerful. In other words, the liberals in the Western sense are always su supporters of union, of workers. And then conservatives, historically, have been supporters of employers. And so... The liberals would say, uh, or the conservatives would say, the liberals are just absolute power gone amok. They're not looking after the little guy. That's just a sham. Don't fall for that. All they want is more and more power in their hands. It's those in power who are now part of the state. They want to pass more and more laws, take away more and more freedoms, and all they want is more power for themselves. They're not. Don't let them fool you. Then a conservative. Now, can't you listen to that? Don't make me go any further with this. I'm trying to get to the point because you know all this is irrelevant except it's almost nowadays as good as using religion as an example. But there's enough history. It takes no effort whatsoever. You don't have to be a... Uh, you don't have to be anything other than a reasonably intelligent, sophisticated human being to hear that and go, that's true. History backs that up. That is well-founded. The history of man, including contemporary times, support that. But I can turn right around, and the, and the liberals would say, don't listen to that. If it were not for the state, if it were not for the state, where would we be living right now to begin with? We would still be living. Look at, look at countries right now. There's still some on, on this planet. Their areas are considered to be countries or nations that are absolutely falling apart, They've been falling apart for the last 50 years. They have never gotten themselves together. And why? Well, usually it's because of some sort of uh, internal conflict, like they're different warring families or tribes. or They just can't get together. But what it amounts to is there is no strong state that the people have never settled down long enough, brought themselves individually under control long enough to get together and decide to put forward to bring forth a state. They never develop a collective will. It's just the way human nature is. We cannot leave it at that. 
The only areas, look, where the areas in the world that are the most civilized, have the greatest economies, the greatest human rights, where are they? Places with strong states. That is, they have a well-established government. All right. Now, if you're an ordinary person, especially in the Western world, chances are nowadays, from all I can tell, uh, politics is taken seriously. I was reading this to complete supposedly revival of AM radio. There's these, these talk shows. It's supposed to be in the radio industry, the, I believe the largest grossing segment of the airways is political talk shows. Talk radio, as they call it. So at any rate, it's a very popular subject, and an ordinary human being would agree in his mind, if he was interested in politics, to one of those views. You don't have much of a choice. One of those views sounds feasible. But with you people, the reason I went through all that, either one should sound feasible. Either one, if you listen to one, you go, that's true, that's true, that's true, until I say, okay, wait a minute, and I take the other side, and you go, well, that's true, too. Now let me bring up something I brought up two or three years ago when I was using conspiracy in another way. Because I'm going to bring it up again tonight. Have I, I assume I've made the point clear enough. I didn't pause between taking one side or the other. But I could have done the conservative side and say this is the, why we should be conservatives. And point out what the nefarious backstage antics in which liberals are engaged, always have been, how they do not have your interest at heart, and how they must be suppressed. And if you tried to play along, your little mind could go, hmm, that's true. And I could have given more history lessons and brought out more. At any rate, if you were listening and playing along, there's no doubt, playing the part of a reasonable human being, you could go, yes, that's true. My mind would could agree with that if I was an ordinary human and didn't go any further. Then I could take another view and pound it in and got through and say, does that not sound, does not fit history, does not fit the facts of what's going on now? You go, yeah. All right. Since you went to trouble to show up, it's getting tricky. I'm going to do it again. Here we go. This is not the point yet. It's slippery before we get to the point. Both of those views are rendered absolutely meaningless if there is indeed a human conspiracy. If indeed, as one time, if you recall, I suggested, I can do more than suggest. I can say it's true. I can say it could appear to be true, that there is a conspiracy. But let's take the United States uh, as the primary example. It's the largest combination of democracy or republic and free market, and et cetera. Considered to be the greatest example of freedom for humans. Have some control over their political life and even their religious life and their economic life. But in the widest sense, the political life covers it all, that it, the state does not directly infringe upon religious beliefs, and it does not supposedly directly infringe upon uh, 
economics, legal economics. If there was a conspiracy, if there is a group of people, and this is known, nobody dis disputes this. They constantly, somebody's always digging it up. Uh, in the United States, I forget, the, but the latest figure, fairly recent, is that something like 90% of all the wealth is owned by 2% of the population. 2% of the people in the United States, they should say the world, but I think they say the United States, they don't want to frighten people anymore. That 90% of the wealth is held by 2%. That's nothing new. That's been known for years and years and years and years and years and years. Millennia even before they had statistics like this. I mean, if we had been serfs in England back in the 14, 15, 1600s, and somebody said, do you realize that there's just one or two guys, one or two families own everything? Nobody had to hit you with a, you know, a frozen flounder and say, you never heard of the conspiracy theory? You knew. Hell, it's a damn duke up there. It's a damn king up there on the hill, him and his damn brothers and sisters. Hell yeah, they take everything. They take 90% of what I grow. I have to go fight every time somebody steps on his dick. You know, he gets mad. He makes me drop everything, go off and fight his wars. Yeah, he owns it all. You want water. You have to go up there and kiss his ass to go get water. So it's nothing new. But back to literally. What if there is a conspiracy? The way I pointed out to you, I was trying to make another point at the time, was... What would seem to be the hallmark? What would seem to be the refutation of the conspiracy theory is the fact, let's take America, it's happening all over the world, but the U.S., we have free elections. It's very rare that the legitimacy of the election is, is questioned. Only in Chicago. <laughs> And as has been pointed out, they, may, they actually mean well. They're so in favor of democracy that they want people to vote more than once. It seems to be their problem. But at any rate, that is considered to be. And from the surface, you would think so. At first blush, if you said, what is the outstanding characteristic? Or perhaps, what is the most salient attribute of a free state? of a group of people, a nation, but a group of people who are free to the largest possible political extent. What would be the benchmark? Free election, surely. That anybody who wants to, I mean, as long as the state knows that you're a human, that you're not trying to defraud them, that you have a street address or a social security number, it's no big deal here in America. Just you show up at a registrar's office, and if you're a damn person, and got a phone bill, I think is all it takes. You just show it to them, and they write your name down, and then if you can show for that same phone bill or some piece of ID when the election time comes, they look down, and you've registered, and they've got your name, and you say, I'm, that's me, then they let you vote. What could be freer than that? Well, one, I already pointed out I'm not going into that one. The, the thing is, the real one is you count the votes. But I got another one for you, back to where I started this example tonight of liberals versus conservatives, it seems to be a clear-cut choice many times in elections here. You know, the Republicans, which is always up to now being considered the conservatives, well, they win this year, 
And look at this platform that they have, blah, blah, blah. Or will it be the liberals represented by the Democrats and blah, blah, blah. Look what a different society and government and state will have if they win. And it seems to be a huge battle. What if there is a conspiracy? What if there is a group of humans? Let's say, just take the statistics, the public statistics, that 2% of the population to control 9% of the wealth. Assume there is a this kind of conspiracy that they own both candidates. You know, there's always struggle for money. Now, I'm not going into this because it doesn't matter. But I assume that you people understand. I want you to understand, since you know I... Well, I don't want you to just dismiss it that I normally laugh at everything from, you know, God to life after death to, uh, yeah, you'll get a tax refund or the checks in the mail. I don't laugh at that idea of the conspiracy. I want you to understand it's possible. Again, we're just playing a game. But I want you to consider. I just don't waste a lot of time, spend much more time. But does everybody understand? I won't be sure that you do. I'm not just saying this. Flippantly, it is quite possible, and there are people who believe it. But anyway, it's quite possible. Forget people believe it. Scratch that. It is quite possible. I mean really possible. And I say a conspiracy that they're just, consider the 2% to control 9% of the wealth. Consider if they're 2% of the population, 100, 200 interlocking families. And that they own 90% of the banking, 90% of the uh, uh, industry in this country, 90% of the real estate that's worth anything in Los Angeles, Manhattan, Chicago, Detroit. Does everybody understand there would be nothing strange at all? It takes no stretch of the imagination that this group of people, and they don't go around hiding, you just don't know about it. They're not in dark alleys. Hell, they own the alleys. They don't have to go hide somewhere. From one view, what you're doing is hiding from them. You just don't realize it. You're trying to stay out of their way. But that they, let me just put it crudely, that they actually own the Democratic and Republican Party. They own the state. And I say they own it on this basis, that no one can get elected without them. And that they own both parties. That it's a sham. They don't see it that way, if there is such a thing. They wouldn't see it that way. All they're seeing is what's best for them, since they control most of the wealth. What's best for them is best for everybody. But mainly it's best for them. If it comes to a choice between is it best for us or best for everybody, you know, fuck everybody. But generally the feeling is, if it's best for us, it's best for everybody, because we own 90% of it, of everything. If our wealth, if our position crumbles, everything crumbles. If our factories begin to close up, everybody will be out of work. we got enough to live. If all my, you know, one guy could say a Henry Ford offspring. Somebody could say, well, even, even if the automobile industry absolutely collapsed, you know, the Ford family has enough, we could live for another 2,000 years and do nothing. We could spend a million dollars a day, all of us, and we'd still never go broke. Whereas if we go broke, 
If we let taxes go up, if we don't do something about it, if we don't do something about trade restrictions, blah, blah, blah. If, if Ford Motor Company goes out of business, then X amount of hundreds of thousands of workers will be out of work. So if you got any, if you need any justification, the point is I want you to understand if there is a conspiracy, which very likely it's possible, then it doesn't matter whether the liberals get in or the conservatives get in. It's a puppet show. There's a group of people who have two dummies. There's one ventriloquist with two dummies. And they got their hand, the right hand in one, the left hand in the other, and say, one of them says, I'm a conservative, and here's what we'll do, vote for me. The one says, I'm a liberal, vote for me. And it doesn't matter, because whoever gets in are going to do what they tell them to. They wouldn't even gotten in. The so-called, the old idea of the power behind the throne, which really didn't mean much until it got to be participatory state, participatory government, because at one time, power behind the throne had no meaning other than the fact that the king might have been sleeping with his sister-in-law and she was blackmailing him. That's all it meant back then because there was no power behind what you saw. If there's a conspiracy, what I just described, which is quite possible, then it doesn't matter who gets in. So the whole idea that you were going to agree with either this view or that view, does anybody understand that it's meaningless? It's not just meaningless for, for you to, for your mind, for you to tag along after your mind when somebody puts on a certain kind of music. Somebody puts on country music, you say, I hate country music. Somebody says, uh, read this new book, it's a murder mystery. And you go, I don't like murder mysteries. And that seems to be of no particular impact on you. But when it gets into ideas of politics or even religion, but I was using politics tonight. By the way, I mentioned religion. Are all of you aware that the idea in the commonly conceived of sense of there being a conspiracy? Are all of you aware throughout the ages and right now we're living in a prime example of it? It's, not, it's easy to realize, but it's the most religious people on the planet who believe mostly in the great human conspiracy. You don't find highly educated Episcopalians. And I don't mean those who might be part of the conspiracy, but just the so-called upper economic, educational, social classes, they poo-poo the idea. Or they ignore it. It's only those down at the bottom, the very religious, and the very religious always at the bottom of the, the back of the parade. It's they who believe most. It's they who write about rail about this great evil conspiracy. And I'm going to try it on you again. I've done it once. It still sometimes makes me want to hold my head and think, wait a minute. The greatest, the ultimate conspiracy would be a God. And here it is, the religious people saying, oh, this conspiracy. And they're always talking about how ungodly it is. You know, all right. Don't make me go through this. I, they've got a good explanation. I understand why they would say it, that you know, the one-worlders, the new world orders, they're calling it nowadays, you know, the Illuminati, it's people who are against religion, who are you know, the Masons, all, all that shit. But it's this great conspiracy is ungodly. God hates that kind of conspiracy. And they, they, they just picture, they draw out all these crinkled up old men. If you've ever seen pictures of John D. Rockefeller, 
You know, he looks like he's the kind of guy that used to throw out pennies at Christmas. You know, to starving people. That's the story. And he thought it was a big deal. Well, what's that damn cartoon? Burns, uh, Simpson. Well, you know it. That's a, just an absolute takeoff, even the drawing of John D. Rockefeller. You look at the guy. All you got to do is see a picture. And if you know who he was and somebody said, that's a rich man. If you were starving, if you were on fire, you wouldn't bother to go up to his door and say, would you throw some water on me? You just know he'd go, you think water grows on trees? You think water costs nothing? My family needs water. Who are you a stranger to ask me for water? At any rate, the religious conceive of the idea of a conspiracy. Not that they conceived of it, but when they conceive of it, when they think about it, they really go off on how ungodly it is that the, the conspiracy of the Illuminati or whoever they're calling it now, the New World Order, the international bankers, they're all ungodly. That God hates a conspiracy. And I keep waiting for one to go, hmm, something doesn't sound right there. Because God would be the ultimate. Does everybody know that there is a conspiracy? Forget this 2% of humans. See, that's the idea of a human conspiracy. That's all anybody conceives of. That's why the religious can't get past that. Because every conspiracy that humans perceive, imagine, is a human conspiracy. They don't even bother to define it. And if I said, well, if you notice that all your ideas of conspiracies are always human conspiracies, nobody would get the point. I mean, they'd think, well, as opposed to what? I'm telling you, by the way, there is a conspiracy. And the conspiracy is this. Men believing that they have some control over their life. I can beat that. The conspiracy is in the question of whether men have any control over their life. Back to what I was trying to slip into you or slip on you. Do you realize that if there is a conspiracy, a human conspiracy, a political conspiracy, then any agreement or disagreement you have with any political view is useless. Absolutely on the surface. That if this conspiracy owns everybody who ever gets a major party nomination, which in our country amounts to two parties. Most of the world, that's the case. It's one or two parties that are the only two main players. But if there is a conspiracy that owns both parties, I mean, everybody does get it, right? That you agreeing or disagreeing, you accepting or rejecting, you finding favor or disfavor with either one of the two main views, what can I call it other than useless? Unless you want me to put an expletive modifier on it. It's just simply useless. If there is such a thing, then they could care less. They don't stay up and watch the election returns. They don't even notice the next day. They don't get Nasser Butler. Who got elected president, the Democrat or the Republican? 
they don't care. They both work for them. They can pull the plug. They can make, you know, they can stop them, even though the man could be president. They could. I'm not going into that. It's, it's easy. It doesn't take a far stretch of imagination. So it doesn't matter. Does everybody perceive that? We're still just play, playing what if. If that was the case, then you accepting or rejecting any political view would be absolutely useless. I say if you want to see the uselessness of what we struggle against, is look at what the restless mind is. Look at what being asleep is, what's going on in your head. It is always a continual rejecting and accepting and agreeing and a disagreeing with things out of the world of human affairs. The unity of everything, that there is no out there and there is no in here, there is the unseen, quote, conspiracy. That things arrange to where each person's mind believes. And believe doesn't even cover the word. Doesn't cover the reality, but the mind believes. I repeat, it doesn't begin to cover it. It's part of the mind. That's the only way I know to put it. The mind believes that what you agree to, what you disagree with, is of importance. And can be of extreme importance. As witnessed by the fact you know nowadays the kind of so-called public service advertising that goes into, please go out and vote. It doesn't matter who you vote for. It, we don't care who you vote. We're concerned that you vote. It's your American duty. We're very concerned. Politicians will come on and say, yes, I'm running for such and such office, but I'm here speaking as a citizen, not as a Democrat. I'm speaking as an American, and I'm urging all of you, go vote, even if you vote for my opponent. Go vote. We're so concerned that so few people vote. Go vote. Right quick, if there was a conspiracy, can't you just see them? Get the people encourage them to vote. They don't care whether you vote or not, but it makes it sound like you have freedom and that there are those of us that right now may have some more power than you do, that I'm a politician, the guy saying this, that says, you know, I'm now a senator, but I'm running for president. And even if you vote for my opponent, please go vote. And the conspirators saying, just think how the poor little population, the idiots, that gives them even more cause to think that things are on the up and up. That even those in power are saying, go vote. It's your duty. It's not just your privilege. It's your duty. Go vote even if you vote against me. If there is that conspiracy, it's not possible to vote against those in power. It's not possible. You can go and vote, and your vote, when you go in there and pull a lever, and you know, supposedly it's hooked up to some electronic device, none of those machines could be plugged in. They just have little the batteries in there that flash a few lights, and you pull a thing, and it rings a bell, and it lights up, and nothing happens. And the next day, they announce who won. And those in power don't even care who they announce. That's not true. They probably, if you notice, it goes back and forth. That helps. What if the same thing is going on? Screw that. The same thing is going on. Not what if. 
If you look, I'm telling you, there is a conspiracy, and the conspiracy, put crudely, as I already said, is that man believes he has some control over his life. It's not just us Americans. All humans. Humans living under the grossest dictatorship on the planet right now, whoever that might be. Someplace they have no vote. They can't go out on the street without fear of being arrested. You can't open a business without paying off the prime minister or the president. The people there still are under that conspiracy. That they believe that they still have some control over their life. If they don't have any political control, they have what? They have control over their mental life. Yeah, that damn president, that damn self-appointed king, he can put up all these pictures of himself. He can put up all these slogans everywhere saying, the people love you know, General so-and-so. And it shows him smiling. And it shows all these children looking up at him with adoration. In the privacy of your head, you can walk past that. And if there's a guard staying around, you can smile and salute the thing. But in your head, you can say, fuck him. Are you... I assume you're a bit more literate than that. You can go, ha, he doesn't fool me. I don't agree with that. I'm not bamboozled by that. People don't love him. He just keeps saying that and figures we keep saying it that we'll finally begin to believe it. And those little children didn't just spontaneously gather around him and sit at his feet and look at him like he was a great hero. They're not fooling me. I have to put up with this. But they can't control my mind. They can't control what I think. They can't. Of course, you got to know who they is. They don't exist, but you got to know who they is. I say it's the state of sleep. If we're going to say there's a cause for it, which is not, but you have to talk that way. If there's a cause, it's in the mind agreeing and disagreeing. Yeah, that's true. No, that's not true. That's the way things should be. It's more than just agreeing what's true and what's not true. It's agreeing or disagreeing with how your mind perceives things to be. Secondary things. Human things. And you agree with it. I agree with a more liberal form of government. I agree with the whole idea. Blah, 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 blah. You're asleep. It's not right or wrong. Well, I was trying to get you to consider without any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I'm telling you, in a way it's true. I just don't want to, it's not important. But there is a conspiracy. There is a group of people all over the world, small group, who primarily run everything. Always have. Yeah. Always have. But it doesn't mean anything. Even if it were true, even if it were literally true, that's still not the problem. That's got nothing to do with you being asleep. Nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. Nothing. It's you believing. Without even thinking about it. That you're not victim of a greater conspiracy. You know, to agree or disagree with how things are. That yes, I can accept that, or no, I don't. Well... I still don't know whether anybody understood why I use the terms agree and disagree. It's too late tonight, but I just meant it in the widest possible literary, just in poetic sense, and even literal sense. 
that you agree with how you see, somebody points out they start discussing politics or religion or economics, anything. They discuss it. And no matter what you say, even if you don't say anything, then mentally you're listening, you're tagging along like the dog of your attention is you know, chasing after their car, chasing after their ideas, the ideas coming out of their mouth. And you listen, and you're either agreeing or disagreeing with how things are. In this case, with their view of how things are. You're either agreeing, you're acquiescing to it, you're saying, yes, that's it. That's the way things should be right there. But when I heard about what's going on in this other area of the world, this other place, these other people, their idea, uh-uh. That is the disease of sleep. That is the restlessness of the mind and over matters that are an illusion, that there is a conspiracy behind it. And whether you agree with what you heard, well, I just found out that the uh, Labor Party has finally won an election in England. And therefore, it will be such and such a benefit to our trade agreement, blah, 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 blah. As though it meant something. I ask you again. Do you think the real aim should be described as it has been for thousands of years, more or less? That the real aim of this should be described as the attempt, that the aim is to calm the mind? Or is it to learn to live with an unchangeably restless mind? And that it's a conspiracy to think that you can do the former. What kind of activity can you use to calm the mind that itself is not disturbing? Nobody ever likes that one. You can't like it. You can't dislike it. Yeah, you can. My God, if you're asleep, you can. You go, that sounds fancy, but there's got to be some way around it. How? If the aim is to calm the mind... then what activity are you going to use, undertake, to calm the mind that's not disturbing to the mind? I have no idea, since it took so long, whether you see how, in the cold, hard, irrefutable logic, all this is ties neatly together, and now you can no longer deny it by God. <laughs> I don't know whether... Consider the conspiracy. Do you understand that would render all activity leading up and culminating after an election? Maybe I should have made it smaller. I think I've told some of you before, but it's easily known on a smaller level, like union elections, that kind of thing. They're wide open. and be two men opposing with apparently opposing views. They get down to that level. They don't even bother owning both of them. They simply count the results. Everybody can vote that wants to. Hell, you can come in and vote two or three times. They're not going to stop you. They're not going to count them. That goes on constantly. You don't even have to worry about whether that's uh, feasibility or whether it's feasible. But I'm telling you that the otherwise...
that if there is a conspiracy, if there is a group of people who own both parties, because I could have used religion, but it, I always enjoyed that more, that there is no Satan and God. There is no good and evil force. There's a conspiracy. There's one guy who owns both forces, both teams, both parties. How do you assume that there's a opposing powers inside the universe? How are there two? What's the point? Well, if you get a quick glimpse of it, as always, or lately as always, I've been trying to get you to consider the idea that there could be opposing forces, that you could be a certain way and then have a critical view of yourself, that that's possible inside the universe. It's not possible. It's an illusion. That's all you can call it. Or that their power is working against each other. It's not possible. Now, there is essentially, there is physically. That's what our mind could say, well, there are certain forces work against each other. They work in tandem or they work in opposition and keep things balanced. We're talking about human matters. To believe that there could be conflicting forces, you have to be fast asleep. You have to be absolutely a moron. After all this length of time. So if that's true, then how can you consider it to be other than moronic for you to entertain, for you to give any notice to your minds agreeing or disagreeing with how things appear to be? If how they appear to be, if you can get a glimpse of it beforehand that you realize how they appear to be is an illusion. It's like a Republican and Democratic Two parties running for an election, whereas the same people pay for, run the election, own both candidates, own both parties. Not just the candidates. They're, in, they're not even being consequent. They don't worry about that. They own the parties. They own the machinery of what's going on. Then they don't care. And it's useless for you to worry about it. That's true about everything in the mind. And not to understand that's to be asleep. There is no, you can call it anything else. And I'll probably someday call it something else. But that's it. To believe that anything you think is of any importance. And the last one with people like us, I'll speak for myself, but it seems to always be true. Even if you say, well, you're right. I, I don't worry about politics, blah, blah, blah. But what do you worry about? Well, I worry about where I'm awake or not. There it is. You're still victim of the conspiracy. As long as you care whether you're awake or not, you're asleep. You're a victim of a conspiracy. Or you're a victim of moronic cosmic influences. <laughs> well, if you can see it, if I must say this, it is extremely, if I may say so, liberating. But it is the final one. Just being around uh, most of you people, I would assume that most of you would say, most of you feel as though you're not that entangled with ordinary affairs, that you're not that entangled with politics or literature or music or social mores or that you just live your own life. And if you have anything that still bothers you, or I'll speak for myself, if there's anything that I really have any like or dislike about, it's as I don't like. My ordinary state of consciousness. I don't like it when I go back to sleep. I don't like it when I go to sleep for a second, much less for 30 minutes. I just don't like it. Forget the time, Ellen. I don't like it. 
The rest of the things, in a sense, I can say I don't care. Because I know better. It's not that I don't care. Not that I'm hard-hearted. I just know that there's nothing wrong in life. I've known that for a long time, even before I woke up to a great extent. But let's assume that I speak for all of you, that you realize in some way there is nothing wrong with life. But again, tonight I won't find it to you, there's nothing right with life. But at any rate, there's nothing wrong with life. I only have one complaint about anything. That's not with life. I got no complaint with anybody in the world. As long as they're not bothering me personally, physically, that is. Only, there's only one thing that I don't like, one thing that bothers me, and that's being asleep. But don't you get it? That's enough. If that bothers you, then you're asleep. And you go, well, I know that. That's what bothers me. No, you don't get it. All right, you're going to be crude. You'll stay asleep. I try not to say it because after you say it, you can think about it and go, well, if that's true, what good does it do me? None. <laughs> but it could. If it's true and you see it, it'll do you a lot of good. See, the trick is, it's not that you quit caring that you're asleep. It's not that you quit caring and then not care. It's that you quit caring, but then you don't not care. See? What happens when you awaken, I put it to you no way, is you merge with the great conspiracy. Well, see, the conspiracy, the families, the 2% that run the world, if that were true, you do understand this. They don't care whether labor or the Socialist Party wins in England. They don't care whether Republicans or Democrats win here. They do not care. They are running the thing. They are the great conspirators. To awaken is to merge with that. You don't care. And that's not even the term. See, the, well, it is the caring of the mind. Nothing but the mind, not the body. You agree or you disagree. You accept or you reject things in the realm of human affairs. That is the disease that we call being asleep. That's all it is from one view. You can call it something else. You can describe it. I can other ways, but that is exactly it. And every time I look at it that way, it always delights me that I'm constantly, all you got to do is catch yourself distracted, and what will you be doing? You'll be agreeing or disagreeing with in your mind, of something going on in human affairs. You're laughing at somebody that you just heard say something. You're scoffing at something you just read that somebody said. Or, if you're like me on the rare occasions, you read or hear something that some human you said, and you went, well, that ain't half bad. A little personal humor. I assume most of you are not quite that bad. See, to me, that's wide acceptance. So I said, well, he's not a complete idiot. <laughs> that's about my highest compliment to the rest of the world. Well, he's not a complete, absolute, maybe idiot. But at any rate, if you're accepting or rejecting either one, do you realize what idiocy you're involved with? Because it is a conspiracy. The conspiracy is the unity of everything. The conspiracy is the unity of the universe. There are no Republicans or Democrats. There is no country music and hip-hop music. There is no fiction and non-fiction. Anything that your mind agrees with or disagrees with, 
is simply a manifestation. It is a symptom of a disease that we call being asleep. That's all it is. You don't need another diagnosis. If you look, well, if you'll look and see, I challenge you, am I correct or not? If that's what is going on constantly, and then if you just glance, you realize it's meaningless. And if you really give it a certain glance, you'll know what I mean by was a great conspiracy anyway. It doesn't matter whether you like this kind of literature, whether you like this kind of, this form of morality, whether, if it comes to human affairs, not essential affairs, nobody even disagrees or agrees over that, as I point out. People don't argue. You don't like or dislike eating. Or the fact that you eat, or that you reproduce, or that you sleep. It has to get into human affairs. It has to be with the kind of bed, how much it costs. Is it a hip mattress? Is it a what happening headboard? Is this restaurant in where I'm going to eat? Or is it tasse? But in the secondary, in the human affairs, it's all not only meaningless. You just have to feel that for yourself. It just hits you. That's meaningless. It seems very important. That's just part of the hobby. It's part of the distractions that keep ordinary men's minds occupied. It doesn't keep... Mystics' minds occupied. They're harder to please. I don't know what it is. They're sore heads. They're miswired. They can't be distracted enough by it. But not only to realize that it's meaningless what you like and dislike, but it's you're being victimized by a conspiracy. That life, the universe, owns everything that you like, you and everybody else, and everything that you and everybody else dislike. Look at your likes and dislikes, your agreements and disagreements as being the Republicans and the Democrats. The universe owns both parties from top to bottom. It's a sham. Everything that you like or dislike in human affairs, everything that you accept or reject, everything that you embrace or that you condemn, it's a moronic illusion. Life is a conspiracy. Life owns it all. I've discussed it out. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com, where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest, or just leave us a message.